The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of 40 Acres and a Fool here on the Blaze Radio Network. Cam Edwards and the one and only Miss E. Yep, down at the picnic table. Isn't this lovely tonight? It is a lovely evening. It's kind of, uh, it feels like a late summer. It's felt like early fall the past few nights. It's been cold enough to have to have a sweater on. Yeah, like down into the 50s, like lower 50s. And then highs around 72, 73. Today was more like 83, 84. 80-something. It was definitely warm and humid because of all the recent moisture and the rains that we've had. Yeah. But it's Uh, supposed to cool off again. So, you know, the good news is we haven't had any frost. No. And two-week forecast going out. Doesn't look like we're going to have any frost. That's good because the peppers are really slow this year. No, they are really slow. I was just down there in the garden while we were waiting to get started. And I was looking around uh, and... Yeah, like the habaneros are just starting to come in on about half of the plants, just yeah. now starting to come and in. And there were like 13 or 14 plants, and they just didn't get a good start for some reason. All the other pepper plants are like, you know, some of them are three, four feet tall, and they were all planted at the same time. Mm-hmm. And the habaneros just, just had a hard time getting started, and they finally have peppers on them, but they're all really just green. Right. And I'm afraid, I'm hoping that they ripen before I have to pull them. I know, I am too. Speaking of peppers, we need to thank Sean. In Tahlequah, Oklahoma, of a Pecan Grove Farm, for sending us some lemon peppers. Lemon peppers. Very hot, little light, bright yellow. Kind of look like a scrawny... Well, actually, they kind of look like a cayenne, but a little shorter. Mm-hmm. Like a skinny jalapeno cayenne baby. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm excited because I'm going to include these in the batch with the golden cayenne peppers that I met. I got from a friend, an Instagram friend that I met on the way back from my great aunt's funeral. So we're gonna we're gonna have like specialty bottles of right. guest starring peppers this exactly. year. Exactly. Yeah. But I'm also saving seeds for so that next year I will grow them here too. Right. But that's cool because now I feel like you know like we've got. We've got part of the forty. It's 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 the it's almost the community hot sauce now. It's good, you know. Yeah. Oh, and I tracked down those little red ones that I couldn't figure out what they were. Yeah, I must have I must have planted them from seeds that I had saved from a couple years ago because I last year the year before we grew a red hot cherry, and it was that big. Okay. So these must be the red hot cherries, and I guess I just didn't write it down somewhere, but. Okay. We have lots of peppers. But we do have lots of peppers. We can always have lots more. But right now we only have one, two, three, four, six quarts of peppers fermenting. Oh. Which isn't a lot. I know. Last year we had 14 quarts and we ended up with 31 10-ounce bottles. Uh, yeah, 14 quarts and we only ended up with 31 bottles. So mm-hmm. this next year might be a uh, a very small batch. I think I might be trying sauce. to hit up a, the farmer's market on Saturday and see what kind of hot peppers they have available there. 
Okay. And hit up a couple of my friend gardener farmer people. I'll see what I can uh, find up in West Virginia. I'm going to be this weekend at the World Shooting Championships at the uh, National Peacemaker National Training Center in Glengarry, West Virginia. Ooh. So I'll see if there are any farmers markets that I can uh, hit up bright and early Saturday morning okay. there in West Virginia. Find some West Virginia peppers. Hot maybe. peppers, though. Just hot peppers. I know, just the hot peppers. Uh, and, and speaking of, I know we got a lot of uh, uh, well wishes, and you got a lot of notes of sympathy. Yes. Um, Very, and I wanted to say thank you for that because everybody was so sweet to reach out and and you know wish me well and you know had the praying for my family and everybody and it was a very nice service very small uh there aren't a lot of us left <laughs> uh, in my family um and she was the the only one of that generation left she would have been 90 on the 16th of this month so she almost made it to 90 wow and she was in her and just until like a week or three days before she passed away she was actually living in her house that the, my great-grandparents had built when they moved over here in the early 1900s yeah, Same I mean, house. at least there's that, yep. right? So, And you got a chance to go by and, and see the house. Yep, and... so we uh, drove up six-hour drive in the rain, so that was sort of fitting, uh, right? Um, went to the funeral in the morning, and it was this little service at the funeral home, and then it was a very long Catholic mass complete with communion at the St. Cyril and Methodist, Methodist uh, Ukrainian Catholic Church. And then um, there was another little service at the cemetery. They actually have another little chapel and they do another little service there. Okay. And they don't do anything on the side of the graveyard. Like, okay. Usually no I've, graveside no service. No graveside service. I've, I've, I've never, that's probably the first funeral I've ever been to that didn't have a graveside service. Anyway, um, so we all did that. And then we went back into town to go to my aunt's favorite place for uh, meeting up with her sisters after she got her hair done. <laughs> it's this little pizza deli kind of kitschy little shop they okay. had you know shells and salad and some cookies as a little a little thing and it was mostly her sisters and relatives like that she was the oldest of six children and I think there's still three or four that are still alive okay because there was a 24 year age difference between the oldest and the youngest child wow same parents that's crazy right that is I thought we were uh, I thought ours was crazy 18 apart. years yeah, between no beginning and end um, and and ours, then, we and, have an excuse and then the, right and then the next day you got a chance to go to the Gertrude Hawk Chocolate Shop, which was a family favorite, right? Always for Easter candies. And actually, it wasn't even the next day because the service and the luncheon was over so quickly. I just went over to the Gertrude Hawks. The old store that I went to when I was a kid growing up is no longer there. They built a brand new location, and I went to the factory by accident, but they gave me the directions on how to get to the store <laughs> that was closest. And I picked up some of the Pearl's favorite smidgens, their milk chocolate peanut butter filled candies and they make them all different kinds of shapes I just happened to pick up the ones for Halloween because they're already gearing up for Halloween candy and then I went back to the cemetery and by then it was all filled up and I put a couple of chocolates on my Aunt Pearl's grave and I had one too like we were having our last chocolate together well there you go and then I walked around the cemetery because my dad had made some offhand comment about our, my great grandparents being there somewhere and this is not this is you know upstate Pennsylvania people have been buried here since 1888 this is not a small cemetery right as a matter of fact I had never seen something this, this before but in the cemetery, people were sharing headstones. There would be, like, my aunt and uncle were on one side, and mm-hmm. then some completely random people I've never met before on the other side. Hmm. And it was all over the cemetery, especially in the newer section. Because I guess it's just, they're running out of space. It's right. on the side of a mountain in a little tiny town in, you know, coal country Pennsylvania. Yeah. Um, so anyway, I'm walking around, I'm walking, I'm walking, and I'm like, I am never going to find this. And I found it. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and I don't think 
I talked to my dad. He's pretty sure I hadn't met them because I was born in 65 and she passed away in 66 and he went pretty quickly after her in 67. Apparently, Brad died of a broken heart. Okay. Um, in 1967. By then, he was... I had to be 80-something. I think he was born in 1885. Uh-huh. Came over to this country when he was 20. Okay. So, yeah. Just... But it was nice. I was like, I was like, I cleaned up some... I pulled the weeds around it and brushed off some stuff and... Very cool. Yeah, it was cool. Well, I'm glad that you had the chance to go up, and I'm glad you had a chance to... Uh, I mean, it was a sad trip, but you, you made the best of it. You got yeah. a chance, as you said, to to meet an Instagram friend, yep. right? Yep. Um, yeah. And, uh, listener of the podcast, Listener too? of the podcast and follower on Instagram. Um, we I didn't have anything to bring her, and she was so sweet. She got me a, a bag and a coffee mug and a really cool... And uh, look, look like a... Uh, she loves uh, antique towels and linens. Uh-huh. This is a really pretty linen. And then she gave me a jar, an, and an absolute beautiful jar, too. Like this, if anybody has seen them go buy them because they're really pretty ball makes a spiral canning jar and it's got a spiral twist in the center they're really pretty but amazon has them and they're really expensive so i need to find Mm. them cheaper someplace else but anyway (laughs) she brought me a bottle of the golden cayennes and uh she also gave me a couple different types of seeds in the bag so it was super sweet and i got home and i mailed her off some some seeds of my peppers that she had commented on that she liked a lot and one of them was the oda Mm-hmm. Which are the little tiny, maybe two inch peppers that are bright, bright purple on mm-hmm. the outside, but kind of yellow on the inside. Yeah, sweet peppers. They're sweets. Yeah, she's she's not growing golden cayenne anymore because they're way <laughs> too hot for her. I sent her a bottle of last year's hot sauce, not this year's. Um, and then the other kind I sent her were oh the uh, the lipstick, the Italian bullhorn, also sweet. They do look like bullhorns. They're kind of a triangular triangular shape, and they get to be about what's that? Five, six inches long? Yeah, something like that. And they start off as green, and they go bright red. Like, think of that flaming red lipstick on, yeah. on Sirens of Days Gone Past. That's why it's called lipstick. It's a beautiful pepper. And it's nice thick sides, too. I bet if uh, I wasn't always making fermented peppers, I could stuff them, and we could have stuffed peppers in those. Ooh, that'd be nice. Yeah. All right, I'll tell you what, we're going to take a time out. We've got much more 40 Acres and a Fool still to come, so stick around. We'll be right back right uh, after this. This is 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Pat Gray Unleashed. This is what we're up against. What we have to do is combat this with knowledge of our Constitution with our with our young kids. They need to be taught it, and they're not being taught about the Constitution in school. So we must, as parents, as concerned citizens, supplement that educational process with our kids by doing it at home. Please get a copy of the Constitution and teach it to your kids and show them why these things work the way they do. Pat Gray on the Blaze Radio Network. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to 40 Acres and a Fool here on the Blaze Radio Network. And we are going to welcome a new addition to the farm. This is our first new addition since the birth of the... Well, no, I take that back. We had some some chickens. chickens. We got gifted some chickens and I bought some chickens. We got gifted the chickens because somebody had to leave, and we had gifted some chickens because their dog kept eating them, and then we bought chickens. Yeah. Because we go through a lot of chickens here. We chickens do are. <laughs> and now that we have the channel system, we haven't lost a, a chicken. Which is amazing because last week there was a morning where I was cleaning out the uh, the chickens' watering dish, and three of the chickens got loose from the yard, uh, and they, they, they made it to freedom. And so all day I'm like, oh man, I just know these chickens are going to be eating our garden. 
And then that night, I went to look at this is while Miss E is up in Pennsylvania. Uh, and so that night, I go looking for the chickens. Can't find the chickens. I'm like, I can't find any piles of feathers around. So I'm like, did they just get snatched? I don't know. And somehow, I didn't put them back in, but nope. they made it back into the chicken coop. Yeah, because that was Thursday and Friday, because I got home Friday late afternoon, and you had said something, and I went out to check on them, because I did the same thing. I had to walk a dog, so I started walking all over the yard looking for piles of feathers. Yeah. And then when I went, I'm like, well, there's Ida and Sabrina and Roxanne and Chipetta, and then there's the 10 girls, and then there's Mr. Crow. Who's missing? Nobody's missing. And then I was like, I remember you said something about the bard rock, and I'm like, how the hell did you guys get back in here? I still haven't figured that out. So, I don't know. Maybe a gap in the... I don't the... know. But they haven't gotten out. Like, that's the thing. They managed to find their way back in, and they haven't gotten back out. So, I don't know. We've got Houdini chickens. Yeah, but, but uh, whatever. They didn't get eaten. But we're also going to be getting a brand new goat. Yes. Uh, what, what do we find him on Craigslist? He's five months old. Nigerian dwarf with papers. He's brown with some white spots and I think some other black spots. His yeah. name is Chico. Chico. Chico yeah. is the man. Right. Well, us. we're thinking about getting a uh, second goat companion for Chico that we'll call the man. Yeah, we'll have Chico and man. Right. Uh, but yeah, Chico is going to be our uh, stud muffin for all of the girls so that we can start yep. milking again next year. Yep. Because with the exception of, um, well, we have five girls and three of them are 100% Nigerian dwarf. One of them is mostly Nigerian dwarf with a tiny spit of seinen, and the other one is her mother, who's half seinen and half Nigerian dwarf. So we could, and three of our goats could be papered. So he's got papers, they have papers. We could actually make a little bit more money selling papered goats this year if we wanted to. Oh, okay. Versus that, I usually just sell them for whatever, I'm like, here, you want to go? Give me a hundred bucks. Come right. be your goat. I don't care. I'm, I'm breeding goats so I can milk. Right. Not to have more goats. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the goats are actually a byproduct. Sorry, we're down here with the uh, the bugs in the garden. I'm just brushing a, a mosquito off of Miss E. <laughs> oh, thank you. Do the same for me, too, will you? I will when I see him. Okay. You're all covered up. I'm not. <clears throat> You're smarter than me with the hat and stuff. Well, I'm not smarter. I'm just balder. Furrier. Yeah. And balder at the same time. I know. It's how amazing that? how that happens. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we got, we're going to get him probably on Saturday. They don't. They don't actually live too far from here. She said he's a bottle baby. Very great personality. He's been disbudded. Um, that's another important factor for us because all of our goats are disbudded, and you can't all of a sudden introduce a horned goat into your herd yeah. because they hurt somebody. Yeah, and they they're always headbutting each other just for play. All of a right. sudden, we got somebody who's poking a hole in some other goat. That's not going to be a good thing. Yeah, no. So. But yeah, I'm excited because he's, he's a cute little dude. Right, I'm excited too. And uh, by the time they all get knocked up, we're probably looking at you know late February delivery date for well, the uh, for the kids. Five months. So who knows how everybody's cycle is going to go? But hopefully, because it's getting to be mid September, so we think October, November, December, January, February. Yeah, five. Yeah, about then. Yeah, uh, it could be a little bit later. Actually, I'd like I it mean, to be later. Like to be honest, it was yeah. almost like I'd like to keep him in here and keep an eye on him for a couple of days and make sure he doesn't have any communicable keep diseases him in the or any solitary issues pen. in a solitary pen mm-hmm. for a couple of days. Because there's a place for food, there's a place for water, and there's another one of those igloos in there. Yes, and, and it's got lots, lots of, of little trees and stuff. Like, that he can just up eat all of the trees down for couple of days and we can see how he is and how he interacts with us and then maybe we can bring the girls in one, one at a time, time and yeah. just try to keep an eye on stuff yeah we have a better idea of when things started man 
some of these go people and it's not me by the way i am <laughs> not good about this i'm like uh it's around here so it should be around then they'll be like oh it's day 142 we only have six and a half days and six hours to go until the baby <laughs> should be born and i'm like you need a more inclusive hobby i think <laughs> you need to do something else yeah, well, you say that, and then we're always, you know, taken by surprise, and it's always like, oh, no, goats are here, you know. So. Well, I know about when they should have them, and the last, the oh, no, was because I knew All about I when she was going to have them, but she was premature because she was the smallest goat I had, and she actually gave birth to quadruplets in the middle of a winter's night. All I'm saying is so. I'm not giving anybody grief for their goat hobbies. because. Nope. I'm impressed Good and on them. weirded out by the same time. <laughs> I just can't do it. I have a, I do have on my iPhone, I have a rolling note, and I do have all of our goat statistics ever on here. Mm-hmm. Like when they got their shots, their vaccinations, when they were disputed, who gave birth to whom, who we kept, who we sold. So I do do that. Okay. Now, there was a reason, by the way, that why we picked a, another Nigerian dwarf goat because all of uh, I mean, you got to, there's their size, size. right? So you can't get a big boy and put them off on little girls because then all of a sudden the girls have babies that are too big for their bodies to handle. Yeah, and I have mostly little girls, so I had to get a little boy. Like last year, we we sent um, twi- uh, uh, the white Sanin off. She's the one who's half Sanin, half Nigerian dwarf, and tried to get her knocked up with a friend of ours who has a boy who is of similar lineage. It didn't take, which was fine because then we this is. Bef- this is about when we knew I had to have surgery, but before I found out I had cancer. Mm. So it was kind of good that we weren't having to deal with babies born in the middle of the night in bottles by the time I yes. was doing. You, you couldn't. Have, yeah, it would not have been well no. done. Um, so it actually it was it was a good a bad accident that she didn't get knocked up. But I can't use the same guy because he's too big for all my little girls. Now uh, my little girls are normal Nigerian dwarf size, but they're little goats. Right. The fact that this one that Chico is only five months old that's that's not a problem. No, I mean, because five months seems pretty young. Well, yeah, except for it's a goat, and actually male goats can impregnate and and have viable sperm by the time they're eight weeks old. So if you mm-hmm. have any baby boy goats, uh, don't don't even think because we made the mistake the first time. I'm like, oh no, they can hang out together. He's too little. The next thing I know, she's knocked up, and oh dear, really? Yeah, so. babies having babies. Babies having babies. All right, we're gonna step away for another moment or two. Stick around. There's more forty acres and a fool coming up right after this. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Forty Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. We have returned. Welcome back. Hello. It's get a little dark. Yeah, here. and buggy. It is a little buggy. And my okay. I gotta say that my belly is full. Speaking of goat, oh, my yeah. belly is full of goat tonight. So we had um we one uh we had at one point a boy and a weather on the farm and uh we didn't we had to put the boy down and then we had a weather that was just food in and nothing out. And right. he was really big and he was always getting out of the fencing. Yes. And so when we tried to send the Sanin off to get knocked up, we sent him along with, and he was getting knocked out. My friend butchered him <laughs> and sent back packages of him in little, you know, vacuum seals and sent her home back hoping she was knocked up. But, um, so yes, yeah, so we've had some goat in the freezer and I got a new, one of those, 
uh, I think everybody's calling them Instapot. It's uh-huh. that electric pressure cooker thing. Because uh-huh. I was just like, I got sucked in one night when you weren't home watching uh, <laughs> as seen on TV stuff. And I was like, Ooh. And 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 to be honest, a lot of my friends now have I one, know. and they are just like praising uh, our, the joys. Our friend Jen Jakes, uh, yes. at Jen Jakes on Twitter, uh, is raving about hers. Yes, yep. and so I, uh, I actually I, I was in the process of thinking about buying it, and I texted her. I'm like, "What do you? I'm I'm, I'm actually going to buy one." What do you think of this brand? And I sent her to like, oh my gosh, that's the one I almost got. That was my first choice. I'm like, okay, well, they have a buy one, get one half off. So I'm going to get the biggest one and the littlest one. And she was like, I hate you, but I love you. Share the recipes. So, uh, so I tried it. Uh, so I had a big, to be honest, I don't know. I, I was, I, I'm going to say this was a goat ham because okay. I don't think it was a shoulder. I think it was more the yeah. butt cheek, uh-huh. um, and that's the ham. Um, and so I put it in there, and I was, and there are no. Imagine, if you will, a world that doesn't have recipes for goat roasts to make in a pressure cooker. <laughs> I mean, come on, doesn't everybody? Apparently not. I, uh, if I was out in some other part of the world, there would probably be scads of goat. Uh, recipes that I could put in my pressure cooker, but not a one could I find today. Yeah. So I kind of so tried to follow it. a f- pot roast Open recipe it. with Greek seasonings and a little more salt, pepper, garlic, and oregano. Okay. And so I put that in the pressure cooker for like at 45 minutes, and then I checked it after all the bells and whistles, and was like, this isn't soft enough. Mm. So I tried it for another 30, and that's where it came up. It still wasn't tender, but it was cooked well. Yes. Um... And I just so I, I sliced it as best off the bone as I could and chopped it up and I and I made kind of like a Greek inspired taco. Yeah, it wasn't quite a gyro. No, not a gyro, but the similar seasoning. There was a tzatziki sauce and there was the feta cheese and there so was I the onions and the put, tomatoes and the lettuce and so the goat. So usually when you have a um, a gyro, you have an open pita and everything's piled on it and they curl it over. So I just took the pita and it made it easier for the kids and I cut them and made it into pockets. Mm-hmm. And then I put the meat in and some feta cheese and kind of mix it up. I put a smear of tzatziki sauce, lettuce, tomato, and for us, onions. And... Uh, Everybody but Kid 4 seems to have really liked them. Kid 4 looked at the lettuce and tomato and was like, I don't eat salad. <laughs> I was like, well, then just pull it off. But try a bite with everything first. Right. Eat, yeah, yeah, well, at least, well, at least they're eating the meat. Anyway, so yes. Uh, yeah, speaking of recipes, you uh, so our Facebook page is Corny Goat Farm. Yep. Uh, which I, I know is confusing because the podcast is 40 Acres and a Fool. Sorry uh, about that. Yeah, well. Anyway. Uh, who got to name the, the page? Uh Oh, I don't know me. <laughs> okay, so I'll blame you for it not being the name of the podcast. Anyway, uh, ooh, ooh. Uh, anyway, at Corny Goat Farm, Missy, who is doing the uh, lion's share of the posting there still, sorry. That's all right. Mm-hmm. You did the one time. I did the one time, yeah. And I, I always have great high hopes every day of, of contributing, uh, but then I don't. So, whatever. I got you it. Know, you can listen to me daily, Cam yes. & Company, uh, on NRA TV. You can, you can watch listen to us live weekly. 5 Eastern, right? You can listen to us weekly. Uh, anyway, at Corny Goat Farm's Facebook page, uh, Missy has been posting a couple of recipes, and you've gotten a lot of requests for more recipes, mm-hmm. and, and uh, we've had a couple of requests for the Corny Goat Cookbook. Which I've been telling Missy she needs to write for years, just just so we're on the record here. I've been encouraging this for several and, years now. And so, to that end, though, when I do make food and I kind of follow a recipe, but I make changes to the recipe, I'm making notes. 
or I'm writing down now how I'm making things as I make them. Well, that's good. That's, or, that's a step. Or I'll I'll another step a hint for people is this: okay, you don't have time to write. Your hands are kind of dirty or whatever. Pick up your phone app. Everybody has one. Hit the record memo, and then just say, okay, I'm making blah. This is what I did. For, this is about the res- the measurements. This is how I'm co- look, cook long I'm cooking it for. Um, and so I'm trying to do that too. Okay. Uh, because with canning. So when you're pressure canning or you're canning when you're just doing the water bath, you have to have, uh, especially the water bath thing, you have to have so much acid in the recipe, so you can't really mess with it too much. Mm-hmm. So I I, uh, I kind of, recipes that I find are kind of guidelines versus rules, but I try to stay with the right amount of acid. I just usually amp up the flavors. Okay. Bit, like a little bit more hot, a little bit more this. So you were going to uh, give out your recipe for tomato sauce? Tomato is that sauce, correct? yeah, because uh, a couple people was like, how do you make your sauce? And I'm like, well, it's really simple, stupid, and it's probably the laziest way ever to make tomato sauce. First off, I don't season my tomato sauce at all. Um, most people was, uh, would be inclined to throw in basil and oregano and whatever. You can't put fresh herbs in. Because uh, fresh herbs, uh, you can't bacteria, be sure of right. the bacteria count. So, and with tomato sauce, you can actually water bath can it. If you use fresh herbs, you'd have to pressure can it. Okay. Um, but uh, I I don't use my tomato sauce just for Italian food, so I don't want it to all taste oregano and, and basil. Right. You make like buttered chicken, Indian buttered chicken, chicken tikka masala, curry chicken. Um, I, I don't know. There's a lot of tomato sauce-based. right. Oh, yeah. And, and yeah, a lot of the Mexican enchiladas and posale and all these other kinds of things that you can put tomato sauce in. Mm-hmm. You don't want to have, like, one country's flavor profile kind of, I mean, talk about cultural appropriation. And then, like, it's like <laughs> I, no, I guess that would be cultural cross-transgender dressing, wouldn't it? <laughs> cross-pollination, right? I Cross-pollination, think. Yeah, sure. I don't know. But whatever. Anyway. So, um, you're crossing the streams. I know. Spengler. So what I do when I make sauce, um, most of the tomatoes that we have are paste tomatoes. They're dry. They don't have a lot of liquid. If you're using any kind of tomato, you can kind of squeeze out the inside. You have less liquid. You have to cook it down less. But mm. you lose a lot of flavor. What I do is I wash all my tomatoes and I get out the biggest, widest stock pot. I use wider rather than narrow. Mm-hmm. Wider stock pots give you a better surface area for evaporation to occur. Narrower stock pots concentrate your flavors, but you want to evaporate water off when you're making tomato sauce. Right. So you use a wider stock pot. So I put that on the heat, probably, probably about medium five, and then I start with my tomatoes. And I. I'm, I'm using San Marzano's, so they're kind of long, skinny, tubey sausages kind. So I just usually cut off the top for the core. Mm-hmm. If I'm using a shorter, squatter tomato, I'll core out the center and then cut it into chunks. You just don't want that stem bit okay. in there. It's just a big, woody yuck. Yeah. Um, but the actual skin? I just leave, right? Okay. Seeds, skin, everything. Poof! Throw it in the pot. I put it at five, and I just leave it. And I and I leave it as I'm so I'm just throwing in tomatoes as I leave it at five because usually I'm doing eight, ten, twelve pounds of tomatoes at a time. Mm-hmm. So it takes a while. So I'm just I'll just I'll set up a little thing. It'll be in the sink. I'll cut, put it in the pot, cut, put it in the pot, and I just put it in like one inch chunks, okay. whatever tomato size. And as it cooks, they release liquid and they get softer. And you kind of start then with a potato, potato masher. Yeah. And you just start smashing everything down, breaking it up, and letting all the heat kind of break up everything. And you don't let it boil, but let it simmer, and just 
I don't know, hour, an hour and a half. You want the sauce, the insides to be, when you put it with the potato masher, you just want everything to go and just explode and be broken down. Okay. And then you can do two, one of two things. I'm doing the lazier thing, and uh, and you can get a, an immersion blender for really cheap on Amazon for like less than 30 bucks. I have an immersion blender. So what I do is I stick the immersion blender into the hot, bubbling lava of broken up cooked tomato, mm-hmm. and I just puree the crap out of it. It breaks down all the skin. It breaks down some of the seeds. Some you can still see, but mm-hmm. you know it's tomato sauce. Tomato skins are so, or tomato peel, uh, seeds are tiny. Right. And then I take it. I take, give it a taste. And if it's not tomatoey enough, I just leave it simmer for a couple of hours. You want to boil off some of the water and concentrate the flavor. And then I just follow the standard directions for plain tomato sauce from the Ball Preservation Canning Book. Okay. Um, it's a quarter teaspoon of citric acid and a half of teaspoon of kosher salt for every pint of tomato sauce that you do. Mm-hmm. Use a half-inch headspace. Uh, process it 35 minutes in a water bath. And I don't remember how long in a pressure canner, but just go to the Ball Book or on the Ball website. Okay. But that's how I make the sauce part. You have to keep it hot. And if you you know follow the directions for the canning bit. Now you said you do the easy way with the immersion blender with the stick blender. The okay, other so way you can do well, you can scoop it into a blender, puree it in the blender, pour it into another pot, and just do it in in shifts, which is what I did before I got a stick blender, uh-huh. and then just do it in shifts and put it all back in the same big sto- wide stock pot, and then just like cook it down again. Okay. Would you be able to ever like let's say you just wanted to get the skins out? Uh, yes. You could, like, could you strain it? Yes. Um, I have, you can use what's called a chinoise, and you can spend $50 upwards at some fancy cooking place, or you can just buy a really cheap, round metal sieve. Not the ones, the metal kind that are the colanders with holes in it. You want a wire mesh sieve. And, yes, I would do this up until I got the stick blender. Um, scoop out the cooked tomatoes, put it in your sieve, get yourself a rubber spatula, and just start smashing it up against this thing. Yeah. And you just push it all out, and then you dump the tomatoes and skins, and you just keep doing that until you are done. But the immersion blender is a lot easier? Well, yeah, because if you're doing 20-something pounds of tomatoes and your 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 color is this big you can and it takes you got to push and push and push and push do you for, see a difference in the taste or no, the texture not yet okay no uh because i'm still cooking it down too and concentrating the flavors okay so right. so far i'm happy well there you go somebody try that out and uh, send us an email and tell us how it was uh yep. 40 acre fool at gmail.com is the email address you can write a snail mail as well in fact we've got a couple of thank yous to get to oh, after yeah. A, a quick break here. But the stamp mail address is Corny Goat Farm, P.O. Box 817, Farmville, Virginia, 23901-0817. All right, stick around. When we come back, we've got some of your thoughts from all around the country. More 40 Acres and a Fool on the way right after this. 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. The Morning Blaze with Doc Thompson. Stuff is uh, get in is protecting. <laughs> What's moose stuff? Get in. <laughs> uh, I don't know. They're protecting monkeys. Uh, oh. 
like monkey together. sanctuaries and whatnot. Oh my gosh! Earlier this the year, the Indonesian Monkey Stuff Foundation yeah. will take your money to help. Hi, you. I'm like Doc that. Thompson. Get that domain in the arms of an angel. I'm Doc Thompson. The Morning Blaze, weekday morning, six to nine Eastern, on the Blaze Radio Network. Forty Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards returns now on the Blaze Radio Network. So we've. Uh, we got an email from Michael in Michigan, and not only do we have an email from Michael in Michigan, but we also had a package from Michael in Michigan this week from the chicken broil that they hold in, uh, where is this, Manchester, the Manchester Chicken Broils, and Michael was nice enough to send us like a 50th anniversary history book of the chicken broil. I like they the do graphic. They do a chicken a second. They do a dinner a second in Manchester. And they raise like $20,000. As of 2002, they're raising $20,000 a year off of this one-day chicken festival. That's crazy. Right? The, so, total, the total net profits. Did you see that? Since 1954. This was between 54 and 2002, which was the 50th anniversary. Almost $400,000. Well, that's not good math. How is it a 50th if 54 and 2004 would be the 50th anniversary? Uh, that's, that's a good 48 point. Years. I don't know. Anyway, but anyway. whatever. Yeah, that's a lot of money. <laughs> It's a cute little booklet, too. It is a cute book. So, Michael, thank you very much for that. He also writes in and says, I was trying to listen to Cam and Company on my phone while driving to get gas. Cell coverage is spotty between work and home, but it's fine between work and the cheapest gas station. So I was in luck, or so I thought. You were talking about the woman complaining about her Italian immigrant grandfather packing heat. Sounds like the kind of guy I'd hang out with up here in rural Michigan, but I digress. Anyhow, he says, every so often I'd get this strange voiceover in Spanish or Italian or something, and I'm thinking, is Cam trying to teach me whatever language this is? It kept happening. (laughs) And then I realized it was happening as I was approaching intersections where I had to turn. I had accidentally switched my navigation app to a foreign language, Portuguese, apparently. I only turned it on so I could send my destination to my wife so she'd know I wasn't coming straight home. Both the app directions in Portuguese and your show were coming through the speakers via Bluetooth. (laughs) And then I stopped for gas, and I lost your show for the rest of the ride home. I Aww. caught the last five minutes downside living in the sticks. Uh, so <laughs> That's funny, though. That is funny. Somebody speaking in tongues on right? Cam and... <laughs> Yeah, this was a, a crazy story on Cam and Company. It was about a, a young woman. I think she's 20 or so, and she uh, she's studying in England. She's from America, but she's studying in England. She went home, went to visit her grandparents uh, who live in rural Michigan, and uh, and her her grandfather was carrying. He has a concealed carry license now. And this was like a twenty year old, you know, basically rolling her eyes at her grandparents. And oh, oh, how come they don't know better? It was yeah, it was pretty awful. Uh, Mike says, uh, "P.S. My wife is doing well, enjoying her new job. No health scare. She did, however, get a jury duty summons for federal court, meaning in Detroit. Hopefully, she won't have to go." Uh, I'll keep my fingers crossed for you, Michael. But uh, yeah. if she does have to go, hope she gets an interesting case. Yeah, and, and that's all thank we you can for doing for. your civic duty. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, Chris writing in. Good day. He says, "Good day to you, Chris." Uh, when do you give up on your garden? He asks. I haven't given up on mine just yet, but I'm getting close. I seem to have inadvertently planted a flower garden without planting a single flower seed. Uh, he says, I also <laughs> use seed tape with lettuce, and it was just as much a failure as your carrots were. I replanted just in time to get near-freezing nights from May until now. Mm. My oak leaf has stalled at eight inches tall. Everything else died. My beans were wiped out. Planted kale for my wife, thinking she'd like it, only to find out she ate it as much as I do. Who likes kale? Right? Nobody, apparently. Nobody. He okay. says, naturally, the kale did great. <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, my tomatoes, cantaloupe, honeydew, peppers, watermelon, cucumber, and squash flowered in May and are still flowered, but have yet to do anything else. Where are your pollinators? Uh, that right? That's a pollinator problem. Yeah. That, there's something going on. If you've got flowers but no fruit, you don't, you, have, you any don't have any pollinators. You need to start bees. You need to keep a beehive. There you go. 
work, he says, on the Camino is stalled on the news of a rule and enforcement change here in lovely Massachusetts. I built the car with a complete modern suspension. The car will handle, drive better, and be safer than it ever was new. But this being Massachusetts and cars being almost as evil as guns, that's now illegal. I cannot ever get an inspection sticker on the car so long as we live in the state of Massachusetts. Because you put in a modern suspension on your classic car. You can know you made the car safer and now you can no longer register it. There's a lot of dumb things that come out of Massachusetts. The, the phrase mass hole is a phrase for a reason. <laughs> um, I don't think I've, that out of the family's listening to this. Chris, They're married in any way. We're not blood rela- relatives Chris, anybody Listen, I was born in Massachusetts. I under, I'm, I'm allowed to say that. Okay. I got... Uh, Chris says, I've also started listening to Cam and Company. I love that I've heard Jim Wallace, the head of the gun owners, actually in Massachusetts on your show. If you have not had the pleasure of meeting him in person, you should try to. He is a fantastic guy. Listen, I, I'm lucky enough, Chris, that I've been able to meet Jim uh, many, many times over the years, I've been able to speak at Gun Owners Action League dinners. Uh, I've been up several times, and I, I hope to actually get a chance to go back. Jim is a fantastic guy, and Goal, the Gun Owners Action League, is a fantastic organization. So if you're a Massachusetts gun owner, you, you definitely need to uh, be a part of the organization. That sounds to be wicked cool. Wicked cool. Well, if you're Massachusetts, it's yes. not fantastic. Wicked it's awesome. wicked. Wicked awesome. Wicked awesome. It's wicked awesome. Yeah. <laughs> He says, it's a bit strange, by the way, to listen since I started with 40 acres and a fool. It's a bit like visiting your friend at work. <laughs> you know him, but at work he's just a little bit different. That is funny. That is, right? That's cool, though. That he started with this. Yeah. And not with you. Right. Because we usually, it's usually the trickle-down thing. I know. You're getting all famous. Ooh, life. I'm going to have a big head. I'm going to wear my tiara <laughs> next time we do a show. Chris says, I do hope that someday we can sit and have a drink at one of these days. If you find yourself up here, please drop me a line. I will, Chris. I will be... In uh, Princeton, New Jersey, that's about as far north as I'm going for the time being right now. I'll be in Princeton, New Jersey for New Jersey SafeCon coming up September 23rd. Uh, I will be out in Utah for the Well-Armed Woman Conference uh, the following weekend. Which I guess will be Um, September 30th. Yes. So you need to just talk to Jim Wallace, Chris, and uh, we need to get me up there for the next uh, gold banquet or something like that. How about that? And we can... uh, Definitely sit and have a, a, a beer. Uh, William, writing in. Longtime listener, first time emailer. Says, my wife and I have toyed with a hobby farm idea for several years. Me as the kid born in Indiana, son to an Indiana farm girl, born in a 120-acre corn and hog farm in West Central Indiana that produced the World Corn King oh. in 1962. Nice. Right? And her, he says, the city girl raised in a concrete farm in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, but she loves her some goats. Aw. Yeah. Right. He says, I found the ads for 40 Acres and a Fool were eventually beyond my ability to ignore after months of hearing about it on The Blaze. Downloaded the entire series and have started from episode one and have cosmically crossed faithful listenership until today, September 7, 2017, uh, in episode 76 or 77, where Missy was on as the night before surgery. Oh. You know, I got to say, I'm just going to take a break if we can from the email for a second. We've been doing this. This is episode 121. Yeah. Of 40 Acres and a Fool. And I'll be honest with you, I'm still trying to figure out what the hell this is about. It's about us. People like listening to us because <laughs> they like, like it's like hanging out with your friends and neighbors that you didn't know you had. I guess so. It's it's the... It, no, that's what people say to me okay. all the time. But despite the fact that, you know, sometimes we're talking, you know, about stuff going on in the garden and then, you know, come here in a few months when the garden's gone... You know, like there's 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 not as much to do on the farm, so that's when I think some of the, the the crazier stuff come out. But I'm I'm glad that you know we did a show 
the night before your surgery. I'm glad that we did a show right after you learned about your Aunt Pearl. You know, this yeah. is, we, we, it's, I don't just say that this is a community. No. Um, I, I believe it. And I really, really appreciate everybody who listens yeah, and everybody key. who writes in and everybody who shares what's going on in their lives it's, with us. It's your Kim, community. It's right? my community. Community. Exactly. Commune it e. <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> anyway, William, thank you. Um, I really appreciate that. He says, um, it was 16 years ago today that my dad passed away. And the combination of this date and your continual struggles that have me a hot mess of emotions. Listening to your trials and tribulations, your successes in summer of suck that was 16, <laughs> I managed to imagine my five-box container garden and 16-square-foot garden is much more than it has ever produced. I'll fill in more details later, but I know having followed Corny Goat Farm on Instagram now for several weeks, Missy, Cam, the kids, the goats, and all the rest of the menagerie are all fine. Yep. But listening to the powerful raw emotion of this podcast had me pull up to drop my first email. Thanks for everything. Known and unknown, you've provided a peek behind the curtain where my retirement may lay. Uh, more to follow, but for now, God bless and Godspeed. Will, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. That means a lot. And I am, you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry that your father is not with you anymore. My mom passed away a couple of years ago, and I know the pain of losing a parent, but... Um, I, and I, it doesn't ever really go away. And it can be the strangest things that, that you know, all of a sudden just get those emotions flooding. But yep. um, but I'm glad that you wrote in. I'm glad we got a chance to meet you and hear from you. And please don't be a stranger. We want to hear from you again. Uh, Rob checking in. That'll says be a, a year ago on Friday. <clears throat> your surgery. No, the night, the podcast that we did the night before the surgery. The surgery was the 16th. Oh, that's right. Wow. Yeah. Are we going to do anything to... Uh, Anniversarize that? You're not going to be here. No. So, no. I might go to the wine thing at the... Oh, there you go. we got a local wine festival in, around, so yep. you can do that. Okay. I was going to say, this. if we could like maybe make haggis or something with the lung in it, you know, you could... No. No. Okay. I mean, it's hard to commemorate when you've had lung cancer. And know? they didn't even let me take Arnold home. I know. It's not like we could, you know, like when you get <laughs> married and you save the top layer and you eat it at your first anniversary... Or your child's christening. It depends on what what you are. Uh, I, it's not like they would let me eat it. No, that's true. A year later. The placenta stuff. Yeah, you, 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 no. No, anyway. not placenta. The, my tumor. I know. Arnold. I'm saying, but people eat their placentas. That's just like, nasty, eating the baby. tumor would be... Even nastier. Exactly. Or it'd be me getting power over would the tumor. Have or putting the tumor back in my body and having tumors go everywhere. Chianti and fava beans as a side? Probably. That would probably be the best recommendation, right? <laughs> uh, Rob writing in. Glad you guys gave us an update. He says, I look so forward to your 40 Acres podcast, and I miss them when you're too busy. I certainly understand when you have to skip. Life is full of challenges, but I like to keep up with you guys. After all, you're living a pretty great life, and you're real. Uh, there are so many phonies out there. I knew Cam was real years ago, and when I poked a little fun at him via Photoshop, he responded appropriately. As long as we're respectful, I think it's okay to poke fun, and evidently he agrees. Yep. Yes, I do not have a big head. I don't want to have a big head. I never want to be the jackass who, you know, can't take a joke. We have enough of those people in this world. Uh, I like to have a smile on my face, and did, I think Rob knows that. Did you finally see that Tiger Beat cover with you and... John and Cam, Marin? I don't think so. I still got to go find that. All right. 
Uh, anyway, uh, Rob says, Did I learn more about Cam uh, specific? I should have had you read this email. This is embarrassing. No, go ahead. Specifically go ahead. about his good taste in women. Oh, well. And his family in general. Miss E, what can I say? He made a wise choice. <laughs> She's a very strong woman. She has a great sense of humor, and she can cook like a gourmet chef. Anything else is too private to share. And how would you even know that, Rob? Goodness gracious, sir. <laughs> Uh, but I have the feeling she keeps Cam a happy man, and I think she's pretty lucky, too. So thanks for sharing your lives with 40 Acres and a Fool. And, Rob, thank you, sir. Uh, we are going to try to be a little more regular. We made it in less than two weeks. Yes. We're a couple of days late this time around, but better a couple of days late than, like, a whole week late. Yeah. Right? We're, we're, yeah, so, it wasn't too bad this time around. We're not—no We're we, I mean, no tomatoes are getting picked tonight because we're doing the podcast No, right, instead, and now but, it's getting uh, too dark to see them, and we're not going to be able to tell what's ripe and what's not ripe, so— right. Uh, let's see. Also heard from uh, Sean in uh, Tahlequah. And Sean has some bad news. He had just lost his father two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. And so Sean. Talking about how his father was sick and they were going to have to relocate. Yeah. yeah. And I am so, I'm so sorry, sorry to, uh, to hear that. And if you need to talk, as I said, a few years ago, I lost my mom. Uh, and I, I'm not going to say I know what you're going through. Yeah. But I know what I went through. And I, I know what it's like to lose a parent. So if you need to talk, just uh, send me another email, Sean, and, uh, and we'll reach out. Sean says, I was listening to you talk about the uh, the Siddick, the egg cheese, uh, which sounds yummy, and I tried to find a recipe, but I couldn't find it, but I wasn't sure how to spell it either. Yeah, it's not, he was spelling it Sitka, like Sitka, Alaska. So it's C-I-D-I-C, right? Or C-Y-D-I-K. It depends on, it's Eastern European, it's something. All right, so do we have time for the recipe? Yes. Okay, so it's 14 whole eggs and one quart of whole milk. A pinch of salt. Break the eggs open in a bowl and poke a hole in them with a sharp knife. One hole every yolk. This sounds really strange, but this is the method. Okay. Put them in the pot with the milk. Put it on low heat. And you are stirring ever so slowly. You really don't want to make everything mashy mashy you just want to move things around so it doesn't burn and you are cooking it over really really low heat very slowly i'm gonna have to say this again very slowly low heat you want to maintain the integrity of the eggs after a really long time and the next time i make it i'll actually time it um it will actually start to separate into what looks like curds and whey as the eggs absorb all the proteins from the milk and the liquid actually gets almost more translucent because you're starting with whole milk and eggs. What you end up with is what looks like cheese curds and whey. You put it in some cheesecloth. You put it in between. I always use those plastic disposable cutting boards and then two wooden cutting boards. Weigh it down with a big cast iron thing for a couple of hours and let it press out, refrigerate it, and slice. Okay. Siddick. There you we, go. I spell it C-Y-D-I-K. Siddick. So uh, there you go, Sean. Sean says our house has been on the market uh, for a little over a week now. We've had about 20 calls so far with two or three very interested in it. That's good, awesome. Good for you. Yes. We've seen, you know, for sale signs up around here for years. There are houses that are still on the market, and they were for sale when we bought this house. Five years ago, almost, yeah. right? He says, we no longer have our chickens. We gave them to a nice young family who are starting a homestead up north. We'll get more once we have a coop built at the new place. There you go. Uh, we have decided, John says, we're going to bring our 14 barn cats with us. Wow. Nobody wants them, he says. We don't want to abandon them to a shelter. They're just no. going to need fixing before we do. Yeah. He says, he, he, he. So, I don't know. I don't know if if my reaction upon learning that I've got to fix 14 barn cats would be 
hee hee hee, more like ha ha ha. Right, but good luck with you. Maybe he's just joking. Like, <coughs> I gotta fix him. Hee <laughs> hee. Right. Uh, so, Sean, I appreciate the uh, the email, uh, Rob. Writing in, uh, not Rob in uh, Southern California, but uh, Rob in Lake Charles, Louisiana, says, um, uh, I worked with a friend this weekend. He's in the local Rotary Club. He goes to disaster areas, helping with cleanup and recovery. This last weekend, we went to Orange, Texas. He said the couple that we helped had lived in their home for the past 45 years. They had never seen the water enter their home until this last hurricane. There, but for another foot of water, go I, says Rob. We all need help when things get bad enough. Is it a 1,000-year flood, a 600-year earthquake, or a one in a 100-year fire? You prepare as best you can, but add enough problems, and we all start swimming for higher ground. The couple we helped didn't know what to do. They had about six inches of water in their home. Insulation and drywall don't drain and dry. They mold and rot the bottom frame of your house. The walls and insulation have to be removed. The walls have to be blown dry. Yeah. Their carpets were already out, so we cut out the drywall about two feet above the door. I was able to cut, move, and clean about 150 feet of wall. So did the other volunteers. Rob says, I wish we'd been there to help earlier, but we were spending, uh, sending supplies to churches last weekend. Some people watch a disaster on TV and change the channel. Others get in their truck, grab their friends, and they come help. Rob says, we're a rich country. I know that because I've seen it with my own eyes. We are so rich that we can afford to take a day off of work and a day away from our home and our family. We can afford to fill our trucks with gas and tools and then give the gift of time. Millions of us did. Millions more will. I saw it happen, he says, after Hurricane Katrina. We were able to help after the flood in East Central Louisiana a year ago, and this time we were able to help out in Texas. You know you're rich once you've seen someone lose most of what they have. There, but for another foot of water, go I. (coughs) Oh, my. Rob says, this couple appreciated our help, though it really wasn't the labor. They appreciated that we knew what to do and how to do it. More than anything, though, he says they appreciated that they were not forgotten by strangers. All we knew about them was that they needed help. Sometimes love takes the tangible form of a guy holding a sawzall in a pry bar. (laughs) Rarely, Rob, but uh, you're right. Hey. <laughs> I would, <laughs> you might be the exception that proves that rule. I would say normally... It's a you horror see movie. A big guy holding a sawzall in a pry bar. I'm not thinking love lift. Oh, I can't sing. But, no, nope, uh, don't sing. Nope. Uh, but uh, God bless you, Rob, man. That is awesome. And, and thank you for what you're doing. And thank you for this email because you said it so very well about what we have seen from so many Americans. And... You know, like I have to spend a lot of time online and on social media because of my job and because of the world that we live in. And I've seen so many people like just they're snarky. They just can't break out of their snark bubble. Mm. And they see somebody doing something good and it's, oh, well, I bet they you know, wanted something out of it. Or, or you know, thank God Miami wasn't hit as hard as it, uh, you know, as, as hard as the track was. And so people, well, stupid meteorologists, you know, like can't we right. just... Like, we, you just turn it off. Just turn off the snark switch just for an hour a day. Good luck. And, and be sincere. And, Rob, that's what I appreciate the most about this email is your sincerity. Yes. When you talk about the goodness in this country and the goodness that you saw. And thank you for being a part of that goodness. And thank you for spreading love uh, with a Sawzall and a, and a pry bar. <laughs> <laughs> But they always use protection. Right. Uh, <laughs> all right. Listen, on that note, that uh, the the sun has set, the stars are coming out, and the mosquitoes have not gone away. So and the stars come, come out. out. <laughs> I <laughs> loved our time at the, was the Oklahoma City Planetarium. Yeah, it was great. We need to go to a planetarium. 
around here somewhere. I'm gonna find, find one. Find one. Anyway. All right. In the meantime, we will um, be back next week. Thank you so much for being a part of this edition of Forty Acres in a Fool for Missy. Actually, you want to take us out? Live a little, learn a lot, and I can never remember the last one. Let's be safe, have fun, live a little, little learn a lot. Oh, there we go. And so we'll, I don't remember the first two. See you soon with another edition of... 40 Acres and a Fool. Excellent job. Thank you very much. You're listening to 40 Acres and a Fool with Cam Edwards on the Blaze Radio Network. Blaze Radio Network.